Hearing messages from the text that remind us of judgment are challenging. Whether we find them in the Hebrew scripture or in the New Testament, I suspect many of you are like me. We'd rather not focus too closely on those lines that suggest that there will be a day of reckoning or that God will see our actions in their entirety and declare that we, using the illustration in Matthew, are sheep or goats, or in the case of Ezekiel, that we were fat sheep or lean sheep. We wrestle with this in part because God is a God of love. And surely, if God loves us, then none of us will be goats, judged for willfully doing whatever we want. And if God is a God of love, then surely none of us will be judged as being fat sheep, pushing with flank and shoulder all the weaker animals out of the way and taking whatever we want. If we do look at the text and can't dismiss the judging, then we decide that when the judging occurs, we are definitely going to be the sheep, the leanest of sheep. Those who need protecting and nurturing, definitely not those bad goats, not willful bullies. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe all of you are completely comfortable with this and don't ever have a hard time considering the long-term consequences of being imperfect. Or maybe there are a couple of you who look at your lives and think, oh, I could have done that better. And the rest of you are really 100% satisfied that you've got this. No sweat. I know Christ died for our sins. I know that God loves each of us fiercely. And yet, Scripture tells me that I can't ignore the reality of bad behavior in myself. When it shows up, I have to address it. I have to be honest and searching not because I am inherently a bad person, but because I do not always do the best thing. And God asks me to examine that. God asks me to make amends for that. God asks each of us not to gloss over the judgment component of our faith, making the assumption that God's love is simple and one-dimensional instead of being very complex. After all, God's love is the kind of love that also needs us to be loved for others. I encourage you to remember in all of this that God is always the one doing the judging. Jesus doesn't ever suggest to one of his disciples that they get to be the one that sorts. And guess what? That applies to us too. We are not invited to judge. We are not invited to look around and predetermine who is looking a bit like they might enjoy snacking on a tin can. I also don't think that Jesus was saying that goats aren't lovely creatures. They too were created by God, and illustrations and parables and allegories aren't meant to be taken literally when thinking about our fellow creatures. God loves all of us. And that comes with responsibility. 
What are we called to do? Feed the hungry. Give the thirsty something to drink. Welcome the stranger. Clothe the naked. Care for the sick. Visit the imprisoned. The text is very clear in this case, which is nice, but also entirely frustrating because we have absolutely no good reason not to do it. We can't claim that we didn't understand. It does end up being the perfect example of what Paul talks about in chapter 7 of his letter to the Romans. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For the desire to do the good lies close at hand, but not the ability. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. How often has our doctor, or pretty much any reputable publication on health, told us exactly what we have to do to live long, healthy lives? Eat less fat and sugar. Exercise. Get good sleep. Don't drink too much alcohol. This is just like it. Feed the hungry. Provide water for the thirsty. Welcome the stranger. Clothe the naked. Care for the sick. Visit the imprisoned. I know I shouldn't have pie for breakfast. But it's so tasty. I know I should give to those in need and prioritize the caring for the poor. But I am fearful of not having enough myself, or I get lazy, or I think someone else will take care of it, or it's just too much and too big a problem, and I get overwhelmed, and I end up watching six hours of Netflix and having more pie. James Forbes, who grew up right here in eastern North Carolina and went on to serve the interdenominational Riverside Church in New York City, famously said, nobody gets to heaven without a letter of reference from the poor. Nobody. Indeed, that is what Jesus is saying. To follow Jesus is to care for the needy. There is no backdoor option. There is no opt-out clause. How we treat the vulnerable matters. It may indeed be true that we would rather do a lot of other things, and we may have excuses that are a mile long. But we are capable of doing what God is asking us to do. Otherwise, God wouldn't have asked. It may be true that we do not do what we do not want to do, as Paul said, but it is also true that we can do what we need to do. Remembering that we are not the judges of anything, we can set aside any knee-jerk desire to provide so-called explanations for why so many people are poor, which are essentially excuses meant to allow us to go back to watching Netflix. Poverty is not something that happened accidentally. Poverty is not just an inescapable consequence of life. Poverty is the result of human agency, structural violence, economic policies, and corporate strategies. 
Many more people are poor in this world as the direct result of the choices other people have made than because of the choices they have made in their own lives. And scripture has just told us that God does indeed play favorites. God gives special favor to those who are dispossessed. And then Jesus goes further and asks us to do the same. Fair is a human concept that God does not subscribe to. And our community is doing this work. You are doing this work. Many of us serve in various ways at RCS and Mercy Clinic, Interfaith Refugee Ministry, Growing in Grace, supporting all sorts of specific ministries of care here at Christ Church, giving time and money to the family of God. And I encourage you to push yourself to go further. Not because giving in this way is just a utilitarian act of social justice, like it might be for a company interested in philanthropy, or because it's an altruistic act with no element of self-interest or expectation, as philosopher Immanuel Kant might have said, and not even because it's a sign of our personal faith, like some of the Protestant reformers would have said. No, I encourage you to push yourself to go further, because as theologian Gary Anderson notes, it is the privileged way to serve God. As we serve others, we serve God. And importantly, in that process, we care for our own souls. I still don't like the concept of God judging any of us as sheep or goats, fat or thin sheep. But perhaps I don't have to completely understand this concept to also trust that the God of love who believes that we are all capable of caring for the least of these, is also not planning to use this judgment as retribution, simply as a punishment of vengeance, but as redemption, an act of saving grace. So I invite us to look at our own lives, remember that sometimes we don't always do what is best, and make the choice to do something wonderful today for those who most need it.